Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters Sports Bar will sponsor your next private event. Walters is located right across the street from the ballpark in Navy Yard. Register at waltersdc.com and click the Inquire Now button. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. home the one two swing and a foul tip held for strike three 12 up 12 down for Johan Adon six strikeouts through four innings Adon is into the wind the kick in the pitch it's on the way swing and a fly ball deep right center but Lane Thomas has a play now moving back in he makes the catch for the out and the inning is over five straight one two three innings for Johan Adon seven strikeouts not allowed a base runner through five innings in Cincinnati. It's the Nationals five and the Reds nothing. 2-1 from Adone to Maley. Swing a line drive right field. That's going to be down for a base hit. Adone slumps his shoulders in frustration. He allows a clean single to right field by the number nine hitter. And Reds fans rejoice. Yohan Adone was perfect for five and two-thirds. Allows a line drive single to right. Reds backup catcher. And welcome to Nats Chat for Sunday, August 6th, 2023, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is in Cincinnati. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, make of this what you want. Do with this what you will. But the Nationals, the rebuilding Washington Nationals, they now are a mere 10 games behind the Cincinnati Reds for the National League's third and final wildcard spot. Do not laugh. That is true. Look up the standings. The Nats are 10 games behind the Reds for the NL's third and final wildcard spot. The Nats on Saturday, one at the Reds, 7-3. The Reds are reeling here. The Reds now have lost five consecutive games, and the Nats are rising. The Nats now have won 10 of their last 15 games. The Nats now have won four of their last five series. Heck, we had Yoan Adone on Saturday teasing, throwing a perfect game. Mark, what were you thinking, man, imprisoned in your hotel room in Cincinnati due to COVID while Yoan Adone, not that far away, was threatening throwing a perfect game? What a scenario that was. Yeah. All right. Look, Al, with all due respect to Yoan Adone and the Washington Nationals and what a wonderful moment that would have been if they made history on this day, if I had been three blocks away, literally three blocks away and in a hotel room and unable to actually go there and witness it myself and write about it in person, I would not have been a happy camper, okay? <laughs> so I'm not saying I'm glad he didn't throw a perfect game. 
I will just say, probably like Davey Martinez, who had to face that potential dilemma of, if he keeps this thing going, am I going to let him stay in and get up over 100 pitches when he hadn't done that all year? A little sense of relief when the first hit finally fell in. So sorry, Yoan, on this day, I was not necessarily that disappointed that it didn't happen. But one more point, you said 10 games back of the Reds in the wild card, only nine back in the loss column, okay? So you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Come on, let's get nuts. You know, we laugh, but it's true. And I mean, stranger things have happened in sports. And one of the beauties now of baseball, I guess it's a beauty if you view it in the positive way, I do, is that you have these three wild card spots. And so you're really not out of it until deep into a season. Like, even if you are a bad team, you're not eliminated really from anything until super deep into a season. And, you know, the Nats have done just enough this season in terms of winning to where, you know, we can have these silly conversations into August of, hey, they're only 10 games out of the third and final wildcard spot. But look, good for the Nats for doing well here lately. And, you know, it's not like they're just beating up on a bunch of patsies. The Brewers are a team playing for a postseason spot. The Reds are a team playing for a postseason spot. The Giants are a team playing for a postseason spot. And the Nats, look, it's not always pretty. We get that. But 10 out of 15 is 10 out of 15. You're doing something right if you're winning 10 games out of 15 games and winning, like I said, four out of five series. Yeah, 10 out of 15. You want to know how rare that is? The last time we saw this team do that, it was June of 2021. This is Kyle Schwarber's home run barrage, Trey Turner hitting for the cycle, and the notion of the Nationals selling at the trade deadline and starting a massive franchise rebuild was the last thing on anyone's mind. Although actually it was on your mind. You were pushing for Scherzer and Trey Turner to be traded at that point, even before the collapse started. So I'll say it was on one person's mind. But that's how long ago it's been. So literally for the first time since the rebuild began, they've won 10 of 15. And like you said, a lot of those against good quality teams. So I don't want to shortchange this at all. They've got a winning record now over their last like 35 games. They are quietly playing much better. They are now officially on a 70-win pace for the season. Long way to go. A lot of things can happen, good or bad. But from where they were after winning 55 games last year and where at times they have looked this year, just the idea that they could be on a 70-win pace, that's a huge success. Would be a 15-game improvement from last season, which is sizable. And if you make another 15-game improvement next season, you are legitimately in postseason contention. Well, Yoan Adone, I mean, over the course of a 162-game season, you get surprised by plenty of things, and there are plenty of games in which you're like, wow, I didn't expect that to happen. But is there anyone who is a Nationals fan who expected this to happen on Saturday? Yoan Adone threatening to toss a perfect game. The Nats on Saturday recalled Yoan Adone from AAA Rochester. He was the Nats starting pitcher for this game due to Trevor Williams still being on the bereavement list. And Yoan Adone in this game ultimately allowed three runs in six innings, but there was so much more to his outing than just that. He finished with seven strikeouts versus no walks. He gave up just three hits and he began his outing by tossing five and two thirds perfect innings, 17 up, 17 down. This was stunning to see given what we had seen from Yoan Adone. Yoan Adone last season was not good at the major league level. 14 starts, 64 and two-thirds innings, an ERA of 7-10. 
Yoan Adone this season had been at the major league level in July, but he was utilized as a reliever. And, you know, he basically had become almost an afterthought in terms of starting pitching moving forward for the Nats, just because, you know, the progress didn't seem to be there. And like I said, last season, the sample of him at the major league level did not go well. But we remember what he did in game 162 of the 2021 season, that season ending 7-5 loss to the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park, October 3rd, 2021. Two runs, five and two-thirds innings, nine strikeouts. And Adone in this game was really good against a good team and in a ballpark that is known for having all kinds of offense take place. Now, things did kind of fall apart for Adone in the bottom of the six. He gave up back-to-back two-out singles, one of which was an infield single. And then he gave up a two-out three-run homer by T.J. Friedel to right field to cut the Nats' lead to 6-3. But Adone, during his postgame session with reporters, revealed that he, in the bottom of the six, started to cramp up. So that does make what happened a little more understandable. Ultimately, for Adone, 86 pitches, 61 strikes versus 25 balls. Who was this guy who we were seeing on Saturday? All right. So there are no-hitter bids and perfect game bids that you look back on and say, boy, how did that happen? And he was lucky and there were a lot of great plays or a lot of good luck for him, or even in sometimes in no-hit bids, you have a guy who's walked four or five batters, there's errors, there's wild pitches. This was not that. What stood out to me in this one wasn't even the result. It was the way he looked. He was in total control from the very beginning. He was throwing strike one with his fastball. He was then painting corners with his curveball and sometimes even his changeup for strike two. And then he was either blowing him away for strike three or getting weak contact. The first 13 batters that Ioana Doan faced, every one of them either struck out or grounded out. Not a single guy hit the ball in the air. Not a single guy hit the ball to the outfield. That's how dominant he was for that period of time. He was as good as any pitcher can be at this level Forget about his name, his background, where he came from, what he was doing at AAA or what he's done in the big leagues before. He was in complete control and it was a beautiful thing to watch. And it does show you that there's maybe something there. And it did remind me the only time we've seen him that made you get excited anywhere close to this was that major league debut against the Red Sox in the final day of the 2021 season. We had not seen anything since then that resembled it. Maybe there is still something in there. The fact he's going to stay on the big league roster, as Davey Martinez revealed, they sent Weymouth Willingham down instead, tells me that they at least want to see more of this and who knows what might be still to come. So Davey says after the game that Yohan Adon is staying with the team. But, you know, I can see Adon, you know, helping us win games here. In what capacity exactly? I mean, Trevor Williams presumably is about to come off the bereavement list. You have four other starters who are healthy. Now, we have heard about and thought about, you know, Mackenzie Gore, workload limit, Jake Urban, workload limit. So maybe is there some semblance of a six-man rotation for at least a turn in the rotation or two? But what do you think Davey means by that in saying Yoan Adon is staying with the team? I'm not sure he knew at the time exactly (laughs) then because I'm pretty sure that the plan going into this was this was going to be a spot start. Probably wouldn't go so well. They'd send him back down. Trevor Williams returns from bereavement list and then they just move on. And how can you send a guy down after a game like that? You can't. So I would imagine there's some conversations taking place maybe over dinner and uh, wine on Saturday night as they try to figure out how to proceed. Trevor Williams is scheduled to come back and rejoin the team 
on Sunday. He's not starting yet. That will still be Jake Irvin. So we don't know exactly when he's going to pitch. So in theory, they have their five starters. So maybe a dome goes to the bullpen. But like you said, this is something we're going to be keeping an eye on the rest of the year. Irvin and Gore in particular, their workload, trying to limit their innings. Maybe there's something they can do here, whether it's a six-man rotation, whether it's skipping somebody else. Maybe, I'm not saying I think this is going to happen, but maybe a Trevor Williams ends up back in the bullpen. You know, he hasn't pitched great of late. We haven't even gotten to Patrick Corbin. I don't think that move is happening at this point. But for now, Yoan Adone's going to stay in some capacity. And I think in the moment, that's the right decision to make. Well, and it's nice to see someone force his way into staying on the major league roster. We have not seen a lot of that these last few years. We see that here with this performance by Adone. I mean, of course, it was one performance and, you know, you can only live off one game so much. But, you know, off what he did against the Red Sox in game 162 in 2021, and then you see this, you know, you do say like there is something there. Now, can it be properly, you know, mined and cultivated? We don't know. I mean, again, last season was rough, but, you know, We do see young pitchers have like really bad seasons, like seasons with ERAs in the fives or sixes or even sevens. And then as time goes on, they can get better. I mean, I don't think we should pass any kind of final judgment on Yohan Adon based on what happened with him last season. Like, yes, last season was ugly, but in the grand scheme of things, you're talking about a little more than 60 innings as a starting pitcher at the major league level last season. ERA over seven. But you can't determine anything about a pitcher based on that. Like, you have to see more. You have to be open to more. And that he did what he did here, I think, is so good, too, from a standpoint of, you know, the opportunity window is starting to close just a little bit in this rebuild because we are starting to form in our minds, like, what this team should look like moving forward if guys pan out, you know? And even with the pitching, like, we think about Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray and Kate Cavalli and Jake Urban and Jackson Rutledge, and it's like... You know, the opportunity for a Yohan Adon might not be what it was, say, a year ago. Maybe he can regenerate that opportunity by pitching well down the stretch of this season. Sure. And like we talked about with some other guys like Jake Alou or Blake Rutherford on the offensive side, there's an opportunity here to do that before some of those other big names arrive on the scene. Same thing on the pitching side. A year from now, this opportunity may not be there for Yohan Adon, so might as well make the most of it right now. But like, let's be clear about just how rough last year was. He made 14 starts. He took the loss in 12 of them. And I know pitcher wins and losses are not the best way to determine anything, but he legitimately lost 12 of those 14 starts, okay? He pitched that poorly. He had a 7 ERA. He took losses despite not going deep in games because he put his team in a big hole and they never came back from. So this really is out of nowhere. But you get the sense that the stuff is there. It's a matter of understanding how to pitch, pitching with some confidence and conviction, locating his fastball, and then using his off-speed stuff off of that. For one day, it was brilliant. Now, can he keep that same edge? Whatever he had going on mentally in this game, he's got to channel that, figure out how to find that again. That's how he's going to be good. You can't go out there and just think, well, I've got the stuff to do this, or, hey, they put me on the opening day roster last year. I must be good. Maybe somewhere along the way, he realized, you know what? I may not get another opportunity. I better make the most of this one. And he did on this day. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, 
Unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nats Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfis has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red-hot antitrust, IP litigation, white-collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. Hey, Nats Chat Podcast. Tim Shover is here to tell you about the Game Time app. My wife is a big concert fan, and I'm a bit of a newbie and don't know where to begin in terms of how to get concert tickets. Then I remembered about Game Time, the best place for last-minute ticket deals. Plenty of options on there, Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Nats Chat. Tim Shovers here. Dylan Cruz made his Fred Nats debut in Fredericksburg, Virginia on Saturday night. Game ended after we finished taping. Slow start for Cruz in an 11-7 loss to the Salem Red Sox. Cruz went 0-5 while hitting second and playing center field for the low A affiliate. He struck out, and according to Nats Chat listener David Judelson, who was on hand, Cruz ground into a double play on the very first pitch that he saw. Game two for Cruz will be Sunday afternoon at 1.35 at Virginia Credit Union Stadium, just off I-95. Starting Tuesday, he and the Fred Nats will head to Lynchburg for a six-game series. Now back to Mark and Al. 2-0 coming to Thomas. Swing a line drive past the lunging third baseman Senzel, down the line, headed to the corner. 
Chavis will score. Thomas rounding first. He's going to second. He's in there with a double, and the Nationals lead 4 to nothing. Lane Thomas does it to the Reds again. He is 2 for 2. He has driven in 2, and the Nationals have put 2 on the board here in the top of the 4th. Well, Yoan Adon was the story of this game in, again, teasing a perfect game. That's still amazing. But the Nationals hit in this game, hit quite well in this game. Seven runs, 12 hits, five walks. The Nats went four for 13 with runners in scoring position. We saw yet another big game for Lane Thomas at Great American Ballpark. Boy, does this guy thrive in the GAB for whatever reason. So Lane Thomas in the 6-3-10 inning win on Friday evening, 3-for-5 with a two-run homer, a solo homer, and an infield single. And Lane Thomas in this 7-3 win on Saturday, 2-for-4 with an RBI double, a single, an RBI sack fly, and two stolen bases. Thomas in an ads one run first, a one out opposite field single to right center field on a one two pitch, and he had to steal a second base. Thomas in the Nats one run second, a one out RBI sack fly. Thomas in the Nats three run fourth, a one out RBI double to the left field corner for a four nothing Nats lead. And he then had a steal of third base to prompt a throwing error by Reds catcher Luke Maley, allowing Thomas to score for a five nothing Nats lead. Four Reds errors in this game. The Reds were not impressive (laughs) at all on Saturday. The Nats were. But man, Lane Thomas, he feasts on Reds pitching, especially at Great American Ballpark. It's great to see, and it's great to see him now having some sustained success again after that slump. We'll have to wait and see if it continues in Philadelphia once they leave town or if this is just a product of uh, the Great American Ballpark. But what I liked is you saw everything from him there. You just described it. It's power. It's getting on base. It's running the base as well, forcing the issue. A good all-around series so far, obviously, for Lane Thomas. And really, overall, what I loved in there at bats early in this game against Andrew Abbott, they were patient. They forced him to throw strikes. They drew, what, four of their first nine batters drew walks. We saw the night before, we've seen way too much lately, how jumpy they get, how they start making quick outs. They let these starters get to the fifth and sixth innings with low pitch counts. They did not do that in this case. They made him work. They took advantage of it. There was only one like legitimately bad at bat, and I hate to bring it up on an otherwise good day, but Ildemaro Vargas is at bat in the first inning with the bases loaded and a chance to really put up a big number. He saw four pitches. Only one of them was in the strike zone. That's the only one he took. He swung at the other three wildly. How did he still get to swing at all three of those? Because one of them, supposedly he fouled off. I don't think he did. The umpire called it a foul ball. I don't think it was. I think he swung and missed at it. He swung at three bad pitches in that at bat with the bases loaded. I don't want to pick on the guy. He had a double later in the game. He's mostly been good for them. But boy, that could have ultimately come back to haunt them when they had a chance to put up a big number in the first and they didn't because of that at bat. And Vargas is a guy who usually gives you a good plate appearance. That was really uncharacteristic. But what was funny was that that RBI double that you just mentioned, that was the result of a terrific plate appearance. That was a one-out opposite field RBI double to the left center field gap for a 7-3 Nats lead and a one-run ninth. And that double concluded a nine-pitch plate appearance in which uh, Vargas was down at one point, one-two. Andrew Abbott, you mentioned him. He is a lefty. The Nats certainly got to him on Saturday. Six runs in five and two-thirds innings. Lane Thomas now this season against left-handed pitching, an OPS of 1,030, including a 629 slugging percentage. So that trend of him just mashing left-handed pitching continues. 
but he was not the only Nationals player who had a big game on Saturday. Kbert Ruiz, who uh, has started to come on here in these recent weeks in terms of actual results. You know, we've talked about how he's hit balls hard, but not gotten good results this season. Well, Friday evening, he did go 0 for 4. But Saturday, as the DH, by the way, not the starting catcher, and again, as a cleanup batter, two for four with an RBI double, another double, and a walk. He had the one run first, drew a two out walk, top of the fourth, a two out first pitch, double to left, and in the one run six, K Baird, a two out RBI double off the left field warning track for a six nothing Nats lead. So first of all, we did see the two-catcher thing once again, Riley Adams, who himself had another big game in this game, two for four with a double, a single, and a walk. But it does look like Cape Bear Ruiz moving forward here may well be the new every-game cleanup batter. We certainly have seen that since the trade deadline. You know, his offensive numbers this season don't scream number four batter, but his performance on Saturday certainly did. Put him up there and see how he does. Like you said, they're, you know, not like they got a lot of alternatives there. And with Jamer Candelario gone, they're still hitting, so give him credit for that. They need Thomas, they need Manessis, they need Ruiz in particular to come through. And I like this idea of him DHing and getting both him and Adams in there. I wouldn't mind seeing Adams as the DH every once in a while, especially against lefties. He's mashing them. There's no reason for him not to be in the lineup. Given as little thump as they have and some of the alternatives they have right now for their lineup on any given day, Riley Adams is way better than almost anyone else they could put in there instead. So I was glad to see that. I would like to see more of both him and Ruiz in the lineup. It feels like most nights they do this, it works. Riley Adams was the number six batter in this game on Saturday. You know, previously Riley Adams plays, he's like the number, you know, eight type batter. He was a number six batter on Saturday. And like I said, two for four with a double, a single, and a walk. Riley Adams now this season over a mere 108 plate appearances, OPS of 925. We've had this conversation many times now. Like, what does he have to do to play more? What do you think the reluctance is to have him out there more? I don't know that anyone could have done more with the limited playing time that Adams has had this season than Adams. What do you think the holdup is? Yeah, I I agree. There's nothing more he can do to prove himself. I think it's probably two things. Number one, I think they are trying to find some calculated matchups that are in his favor. That's particularly lefties, like we said. So I think that's part of it. And I think there's also this reluctance, and you can agree with it or not, to play both of your catchers. And what if somebody gets hurt and, oh, now we're in an emergency or we lose the DH or whatever that might be. I understand that's always a risk. But to me, given what the alternatives are and given how well he has performed, take the risk. You want to score runs, you want to win games, he is one of your best hitters right now. I would have him in there more. I'd have both of them in the lineup as much as reasonably possible. If it means calling up a Drew Millis to be a third string catcher instead of somebody else, just so you have that insurance policy, go for it. You know, I mean, we're only three and a half weeks away from September, so maybe that's going to happen and then we'll see it once the rosters expand. But there's nothing left for Riley Adams to prove. He deserves to be in there more than he has. Like you said, what's 100 and what plate appearances on the season? He's been on the major league roster every single day this year. 108 OPS, well over 900. Like, I don't know. Does a guy need to start doing cartwheels on his way to the batter's box? Does he need to bake Davey Martinez a cake? I don't know. But Riley Adams deserves more playing time. I mentioned the Nats having 12 hits in this game. Seven of the 12 hits were doubles. A lot of doubles by the Nats in this game. So they hit three homers on Friday evening. They had seven doubles on Saturday. The Nats are hitting for some power in this series. I mean, we had Joy Manessis and the one run six, a two out first pitch double to left. 
We had Stone Garrett in the Nats one run first with a two out first pitch opposite field RBI double to the right center field gap for a one nothing Nats lead. So really good to see the Nats hitting for power. And we mentioned the walks. I mean, how about Alex Call on Saturday? One for three with a single and two leadoff walks. One run second, Alex Call leadoff walk. Three run fourth, Alex Call leadoff walk. You mentioned this earlier, but... <laughs> We're not used to seeing that from the Nats, right? Hitting for power and drawing walks. And, you know, it's not just the Nats drawing walks, but like who's doing it? I mean, again, Alex Call with a couple of walks getting on base three times on Saturday. And in each case, after the walk, he scored. Leadoff walk can lead to a run scored, one of them on another one of those errors. Any production you can get from your eight, nine hitters, in this case, Call and Michael Chavis combining to reach base five times, you take that, you take advantage of it. They reach base five times, they scored three of them combined for three walks and two singles. In this lineup, you got to take whatever you can get from everybody you can get. And certainly to have that kind of production from the bottom of your lineup, it makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I was thrilled when I saw that Michael Chavis was starting at second base and not Jake Alou, but Chavis had a good game on Saturday as a number nine batter, one for four with a single and a walk and a really impressive defensive play. The 0-1, grounded sharply right side, diving stop Chavis. He pops to his feet and he throws, and he gets his man. Michael Chavis diving to his left. Rob Senzel of a hit with a terrific play. The kind of defensive gem that you usually have in a perfect game slash no-hitter. And so as the game was going on and you had that Chavis play and Adone continued to mow down Reds batters, you know, you were saying to yourself like, wow, this is kind of sort of setting up to be one of those days. Didn't end up being that, but it did end up being a Nationals win. And we did end up having another good game for this Nats bullpen. You know, you're not supposed to say anything when a starting pitcher is in the midst of a perfect game slash no hit bid. I don't know if we should be saying anything about the Nats bullpen right now with how well it's going. Almost like don't even want to touch this. But man, the bullpen has been so much better lately. And Saturday, three Nats relievers combined for three scoreless innings. Zero drama. Andres Machado pitching for a second consecutive day. A perfect bottom of the seventh. Jordan Weems, we've been singing his praises. Another good outing for him. Scoreless bottom of the eighth with two swinging strikeouts. And Kyle Finnegan was utilized in the bottom of the ninth, despite the Nats having a four-run lead. Uh, And Finnegan, a scoreless bottom of the ninth. Bing, bang, boom. The Nats bullpen comes through again. Yeah, it's been really something to watch here over the last week to 10 days. Now, here's the only problem. They went for the win, and good for them for doing that. I don't think any three of those guys are going to be available on Sunday because they've now gone back-to-back days. Oh, and by the way, they put Mason Thompson on the IL on Sunday with a left knee contusion story is that he fell. We don't know exactly how or when, but he had not pitched since the beginning of the week. So clearly something was going on there. Now, maybe this can be good for him, a guy who had been struggling somewhat lately. Maybe they can use this as an opportunity to work on his mechanics, but they are going to have a very shorthanded bullpen on Sunday if they are somehow in a position to sweep this series. That's why I brought up the Finnegan thing I did say to myself, hmm, you're up by four and you're using Finnegan here when you might want to be using him on Sunday. Nats don't have another scheduled off day until a week from Monday. So it's not like, you know, you have an automatic rest day coming up for everybody. That 15-day injured list now is overflowing with Nationals relievers. Mason Thompson, Rico Garcia, Paolo Espino, don't forget about our guy Paolo, Hunter Harvey, Thaddeus Ward, Carl Edwards Jr. All of those guys are on the 15-day injured list, to say nothing of Tanner Rainey and uh, Victor Arano, if you want to include him in the conversation, being on the 60-day injured list. So yeah, I mean, a lot of roster moves lately with Nats relievers. You know, when Mason Thompson started struggling a while back, I remember I asked you, 
This guy does have an injury history. Is it possible he's dealing with something? This left knee contusion sounds like a very recent thing. This isn't like something that like has been plaguing him for months and we're only now hearing about it. This is legitimately something that just happened. As best as I can tell, yeah, it was a little bit vague from Davey. The fact he hadn't pitched since Monday when there were close games in there that you would normally expect him to pitch. And he actually was pretty good. His last outing was a scoreless inning on five pitches. So I'm guessing something happened between then and now that caused this. The report from the clubhouse, I wasn't there, unfortunately, but was that he was walking around the clubhouse with some kind of device around his knee, so getting some kind of treatment on it. So I don't think it's a phantom injury, nothing like that. I do think it's something that must have happened in a freak way fairly recently. You just hope it's nothing that knocks him out for a long time and certainly nothing that prevents him from working on his pitching because that would be the best usage of this time since it's not an arm injury. Well, and something about what's happening with the bullpen right now with all of these guys out is you don't have a choice but to sink or swim. Like Davey Martinez has to throw the likes of Jordan Weems and Jose A. Ferrer and Amos Willingham, although I know he's being sent down, into these spots. Like you have no other choice. And so you are right away getting a sense of what these guys have, where they are at. And it can be ugly. And we saw it be ugly a few weeks ago. But you also can't be pleasantly surprised. And at least lately, and again, against some good teams, like I can't emphasize this enough. The Nats aren't winning 10 out of 15 against, you know, the Royals and like the A's, although the the A's are coming up. But the Nats are playing contending teams in the National League and beating those teams. And I think that that's significant. And this recent improvement of the bullpen is coming against these contending National League teams. Right. Think about how many of these games could have flipped the other way if the bullpen over the last week was the bullpen we saw in Chicago. Remember how ugly that thing got when there were close games that turned into blowouts? So knock on wood, they've done a much better job of that. Would you believe the only series they've lost here lately was to the Mets, the team that was in disarray and dismantling as the Nats were there? They lost three out of four. Otherwise, they're facing some much better teams and beating them. And I want to throw in a stat because I, I looked it up pregame. Kyle Finnegan, I know we've talked about this and about is he dominant or not. I'm ready to say that he actually has been dominant and for a long period of time. You take out his first week of the season. We had two blowups, one really bad one against the Rays. This is now since April 7th. He's got a 1.61 ERA, a whip under one, and more strikeouts than innings pitched. That's all but one week of the season. I know we tend to remember the blowups because they can be bad when they happen, But by and large, this guy has been nails for them this year and really for a few years now. And when they made the decision not to trade him at the deadline and say, we're going to kind of have him be the anchor of our bullpen moving forward, I think it's warranted. I think what he does is justified calling him their ace reliever, whether you believe he's a closer, setup man, fireman, whatever that is, he has been one of their best and really one of the best in the majors now for the bulk of this season. You need an ace reliever when you're contending for a wild card spot. So it's a good thing that the Nats (laughs) did not trade Kyle Finnegan. Well, we will see what happens on Sunday afternoon. The Nats going for a three-game sweep at the Reds. 141st pitch, Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have you as a sponsor of the program. Email Tim Schofer, see what we can do for you. That email address again is NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We have a website, NatsChatPodcast.com, at which you can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. 
All Nationals radio highlights on that chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the music of the Nat Chat podcast. Visit his site, timnewmark.com. Nat Chat is on the radio on Sunday mornings, 11 to 12 on ESPN Richmond, which is 106.1 FM in the Richmond, Virginia area and ESPNRichmond.com. But before we go, we're going to leave you with something special. The voice of the AA Harrisburg Senators, Terry Byram, with an update in terms of how things are going for Harrisburg. We thank Terry, and we thank you for being a part of the Nat Chat Podcast. The Harrisburg Senators have been hot lately. They've been led by James Wood, Trey Lipscomb, Jacob Young, Brady House, and Frankie Tostano. They've been the offensive catalyst to the recent surge. James Wood is hitting 303 over his past eight games with three home runs and eight RBIs and a 1.040 OPS. He's also homered in each of the last two games. Trey Lipscomb, the Nationals' third-round choice in 2022 out of the University of Tennessee, is 15 for 38 with three home runs and nine RBIs, along with 12 runs scored over his past nine games. He has a 1.121 OPS, and in the past nine games, he's played all four infield positions, first, second, third, and shortstop. Jacob Young is hitting 297 over his past nine games with a home run and eight RBIs. He's also scored six runs. He's stolen four bases, and defensively, he's thrown out two runners at the plate. Brady House is working on an eight-game hitting streak entering play this Friday night and is 10 for his last 25. He's still looking for his first double-A home run and RBI. Frankie Tostado has produced all season for the Senators. He has 11 home runs and 59 RBIs in his time with Harrisburg, which is tied for second in the Eastern League in RBIs. The Senators have been strong defensively all season long, leading the league in overall defense. And over the past nine games, the Senators have turned 16 double plays. Harrisburg is 14-16 and 16 in the second half, beginning play on Friday. They trail the Richmond Flying Squirrels by four games in the standings and have a series in Richmond in a couple of weeks. The Senators have games remaining with every team in front of them in the Southwest Division, so there's still a chance they could win the second half championship. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.